This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs. A fresh look at astrology shaped by channeled wisdom on the soul and its human journey. Enjoy inspirational insights on how to change karma and make changes for the better. And now, here's Tom. Welcome back to The Soul's Journey. This is Tom from tdjacobs.com. Tonight is a pre-recorded interview with astrologer Margaret Gray, based in Dublin, Ireland. Her website is astrologypsychological.com. The seventh and final square that we discuss during this time, uh, during this interview tonight, is taking place on uh, Monday, March 16th. So I don't want to waste any time with announcements tonight. I want to jump right in. Enjoy. Thanks for joining us. Margaret Gray, thank you so much for being willing to be a guest on The Soul's Journey. Uh, Welcome. I'm really happy to have you here. Thank you, Tom. It's an absolute pleasure to um, be here and to talk with you again. And the last time we met, of course, was in Arizona, the ESR conference. So um, it's really lovely to be talking to you again today, particularly with the Uranus-Pluto square coming up, the very final one. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so so regarding these squares, you know, these have been happening since June of 2012. And as you mentioned, the other one's coming up in mid-March of 2015, just a just a couple weeks from now and they've been asking us to change and i'm i'm wondering or or causing us or forcing us to uh, figure out how to change i'm wondering what kind of what kinds of changes you're seeing your clients confront you know it's really um the main changes of course which is not surprising with pluto going through capricorn are all about structures so um clients are coming with major changes in their financial structures their housing their relationship um also some health issues it's really anything that has to do with the kind of backbone structures in their life and um you know they're all they're really all changing in a way for the better but of course at the time it may not feel like that and so Hmm. there's a certain degree of sometimes angst and agitation in terms of any kind of change versus humans you know most of us are creatures of habit um yeah 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 well so so you know when people are coming in you're saying uh you know put your on a squares maybe affecting you and here's you know how how do you margaret approach working with with pluto you have a a background in psychological astrology and of course pluto is the planet that relates uh, to psychology so how do you approach working with with pluto in general well, you know, I think Pluto is a much maligned planet. I'm I'm very fond of Pluto myself, but maybe that's because I have Moon and Scorpio. Um, I, I think really innately in our charts, um, Pluto is very important because he represents that part of us that is about our self-empowerment. And, of course, he's a transpersonal planet, so he's not always very easy to get a hold of, particularly in the first half of life. Mm. So it depends very much what age group, you know, what age group the client client falls into. If they've gone through the midlife transits, then of course there's a much better, not better I would say, but a clear integration of the Plutonian energies usually because they've gone through the Pluto square Pluto. Right. 
if, however, they are, you know, before, you know, I mean, the Pluto square Pluto at the moment happens mostly around 36, 37. Mm -hmm. Anybody younger than that, unless they've had a Pluto transit to their personal planets or angles, um, may not feel that Pluto energy on a personal level, may not have integrated fully. But how I describe Pluto is really that he's kind of the digger in the horoscope. You know, he comes mm. along and he does the digging and dredging and he goes right into our unconscious and really invites us to bring to the surface as a transit whatever is ready to come into this you know onto the surface from our unconscious mm. and i think that's an important thing to remind people that pluto doesn't dredge up anything that we're not ready to deal with so whatever comes up is really absolutely there brimming to come to the surface and once it comes up also his job is to transmute it yeah Right. And I think that's the other factor, that people think, oh my goodness, all this stuff is going to come up, what do I do with it? And really with Pluto transits, his whole job is, is you know, it's like the phoenix rising from the ashes, of course. It's transmuting what are ashes or what is debris, whatever is no longer needed, mm -hmm. into something that is empowering. Hmm. I didn't remember, I remember you had Pluto in the 12th, I didn't remember Sun in the 8th or Moon in Scorpio, but so you have the... <laughs> <laughs> so you have the three, you know, these three, uh, uh, in, you know, uh, places, you know, indicators that you have a life of getting to know these Plutonian energies. And I, you know, and also knowing that your Pluto's in the 12th, you know, when you were young, it would have crossed into your, you know, crossed into your first house. And I, I have that similar too, but I, I was, I, th I think you were older when yours crossed, but I was, uh, I don't know three or four or five years old when Pluto, you know, hit my ascendant. Uh, but there's, there's that thing where, you know, it's in the 12th, but then it activates your first house when you're young. And yeah, it's, it's a unique, you know, it's a unique setup for that, a life of transformation. It, it really is. I think Pluto in the 12th is, is very interesting in natal charts because, you know, the 12th, I mean, Pluto is not an easy planet, as I said, to even, you know, get a hold of, even if he's in a very, um, you know, in the first house or, you know, a house that isn't the 12th or the 8th. But when he's in either the 8th or the 12th house, he's really even more hidden from view. And, of yeah. course, it's much easier then to also absorb, you know, and be in touch with Plutonian energies in the collective. And I don't know if you found this with your Pluto, but it's really a process of then learning to disentangle what are my Plutonian energies and what are my ancestral Plutonian energies and which energies belong to the collective, right. you know, and um, right. not to take it all on board, really. Yeah, that's what I've that's what I've learned a lot about. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely learned a lot about that. Well, just having boundaries, and I mean, one thing I've learned is that I I I want to be open to sense things. I, I want to feel. I want to have that open because otherwise I am not fully human. But I have to be clear. I'm not absorbing or carrying things. And and uh, as I I look at a lot of collective issues, I'm drawn to look at you know just just different collective issues. And I realize. Uh, you know, the last few months, actually, I've gotten some clarity that I'm I'm not absorbing stuff. So I'm able to engage with some collective issues in, in, a, in a new way, which is very, you know, empowering. You know, it's very it's very empowering. So in, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's not getting caught up in it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm aware of it. I feel it. But yeah, it's not getting caught up. So, so somebody comes in and is having a plutonian time, maybe not somebody with 
you know, maybe or maybe not somebody with a, a natal Pluto that's louder or has, has a lot to say relative to some other people. But in a Plutonian time, you know, talking about this, this Pluto-Uranus transits, when somebody comes into you living through Plutonian times, you, you know, you mentioned a bit ago, letting them know that uh, if it's coming up, if the thing is being dug up from under the surface that it's time or you're ready or you can handle it. Can you just say a little more about that, like dealing with Plutonian times? Well, I think the important thing to remember that, you know, what's in our unconscious is also our creativity, our passion. You know, Pluto is a higher octave to Mars, and Mars is about our life force and energy. And so, you know, without access to Pluto, it's very hard to connect with those deep passions. And so when material starts coming up from our unconscious, what's buried beneath some of the debris that's there or some of the material that may not feel so comfortable is really, I mean, you know, the gold, the gold that's hidden at the bottom of the mine. And I think that can be quite reassuring to tell clients that part of, you know, the, the purpose of the digging is actually to find that um, sense of self-empowerment and that sense of, you know, the gifts that lie beneath. And really the biggest gift of Pluto is that sense of absolutely being in our own power and losing, you know, a sense of codependency with others Mm -hmm. or a a sense of really um, depending on external things in life. So I think that's really what what I try to remind clients, that that's the ultimate purpose of it all. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I'm with you. I'm definitely with you. I mean, and that kind of, you answered my next question, which is, you know, what's the value in doing Plutonian shadow work that, and you just, you just answered it, access to to more passion, which is part of creativity. And yeah, yeah. And I, I often think of it sometimes as being in the driver's, like, like stepping into the driver's seat of your life because you're, I guess in my, in the way I phrase it in my mind, your relationship to fear and pain can alter once you do that that deeper work of, of, you know, confronting what makes you feel powerless or pained or, you know, something like that. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think this is what these transits are all about. You know, the Uranus-Pluto square is really um, inviting us to step into our power. We're in a whole new um, energetic period. Some people, of course, call it the fifth dimension. And what this is all about is really being empowered humans, you know, being Mm -hmm. souls in human form and standing in our powers so that it doesn't behoove us to not stand in that power. Because if we don't, then we're creating unconsciously rather than consciously and we're reacting rather than responding. So um, then we're shocked at the end results. But actually, we've, we've created, but we've done it without you know, a degree of consciousness, basically. Right, right. And the, but there's the there's the trick, right? There's the rub because you you somehow must allow something unconscious to become conscious. Yes. But it's this. It can be this looming thing. <laughs> you know, this, this this looming cloud that may develop into a storm cloud, or you know, go from gray gray to very dark gray. You know, and. Uh, yeah, so so that sense of potential uh, overwhelm can often be there when dealing with Pluto transits. But I mean, I've been telling people lately to decide that they are stronger than fear or pain that may come up. And I've, I've been really tapping into how that's just a kind of a Plutonian 
almost a fake it till you make it. But if you decide, if you can will that you're stronger than the pain from that experience in the past or your fear about the future, that it kind of can, can ground you in that sense. And, and, uh, yeah, just get that sense of, you know, if I know I'm stronger than pain, I feel then I know I can get through it. Well, I think it's back to the kind of cliche of, you know, there's only two emotions, fear and love. Mm. And really, ultimately, there's just love. And so I know that sounds a little bit airy-fairy and, you know, but and it's it's thrown about a lot. Mm -hmm. But I think if we really go back to our heart and don't get too lost in our head and our, our, our you know, the inauthentic ego, then we can really center ourselves in that sense of self-love. And I think ultimately that's really the key about yeah. um, coming through all these transits is self-value and self-love. Because once we're stable in that, then our heart can open. Mm -hmm. And then really there's nothing to fear whatsoever in it all. Yeah, that that's one of the things, that perspective that you say, you know, maybe a little airy-fairy. Sometimes my brain says that too, but I talk about it constantly on this show and everywhere else. So I'm, 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 I'm really, you know, in, in line and aligned with that. But, but that's one of the things that really stood out from your, the ESAR, uh, lecture that, that I heard the recording that prompted me to write you, you know, and say, please be on the show to talk about this because that, perspective of there are really only two energies it's it's really true it's just people who um you know m not all of us see it not all of us feel the the, vib the vibration of the words we use or the energies that are exchanged between people but i think that is a that's a secret to being empowered is realizing those vibrations and then continually aligning with you know, the one that feels best, which is always the more positive, the more positive one. But, but so I really want to compliment you that that stood out among all the ESAR talks I heard about that, because that is really, that is really key, but we might not, you know, if we're not very 12th house or eighth house person, we might not know that. All, yet or all the time but that's well, well, that's thank wonderful thank you thank you yeah. so much Tom and you know on that note I one of the things you asked me about clients and one of the things I'm noticing increasingly with clients and even clients who would not describe themselves as being particularly spiritual or uh -huh. maybe in the corporate world you know and so on um, not that the two can't go together but people who are very very logically minded yeah. and a lot of them have been saying to me that they're spending a lot more time listening to things like Hay House Radio or Visualizations mm -hmm. or um, really tuning in. And, and, you know, ultimately, it's a little bit like a radio station. You know, you can tune yes. into whichever station you want. And that's going to be the energy that's going to kind of be predominant in your energy field um, and I'm watching a lot more people doing that recently so I think that's that's kind of a really positive thing that's happening yeah me too definitely but but uh, that that uh, when I heard that in heard that vibe or heard that kind of thread in your talk I was like oh that's right she has Pluto on the 12th and she gets it oh yeah you know like I was like oh because when we met you know maybe 10 years ago I probably wasn't really in tune with my Pluto on the 12th and we talked and we had some intellectual conversations and we, we did a little trade and read for each other but but you know, I, I, I now my kind of vibratory antenna got it that you get it. You know, so it was just a really, I just really appreciate that. And that's when I, that's when I wrote you. So, oh, that's great. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, and I, but but I think you know, using astrology, uh, regardless of how we use astrology, right? What tradition or what you know, what um, what kind of sub dialect we speak of that language of astrology, we are you know, the more that we can see. 
this thing about vibration, this thing about alignment and, and choosing what we're vibrating. I think then astrology really obviously becomes a tool for making life better as opposed to, you know, this discipline that we should get wrapped up in or get lost in details and intellect. And I, you, you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, as soon as you said that, I thought, absolutely, that's exactly where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. And I think we all practice astrology for different reasons. Yeah. But for me, you know, I have a background in social work and psychotherapy. So for me, I, astrology has always been a tool that's, you know, and I have Virgo ascendant, so it needs to be practical. It needs to be of service. Mm -hmm. um, it needs to have concrete results in people's lives you know that, that yes. improve people's lives in some way um and i have a very watery chart so i'm not as interested in the intellectual pursuit of mm -hmm. astrology just purely for the intellectual right. um interest in it although there are some wonderful astrologers who are doing great research and so on but that's not my purpose so yeah. yes i'm i'm you Definitely. know that would be the same per you know what you described is exactly why i practice yeah thank you so so let's change gears to uh talking a little about uh, uranus and uh you know uh, this uh, uh, translating the other question into uh you know how do you approach how do you work with clients who are living in Uranian times, whether they are very Uranian or not very Uranian makes a difference. And as you said, uh, their stage in life can make a difference too, especially because Uranus is one of those midlife transits, but, um, you know, people are coming in and, you know, how are you advising them, you know, g given the Pluto Uranus squares living in Uranian times, like what, what, uh, what are the co core things that, that you want to get through to people as general principles about Uranus? Well, you know, Uranus, the energy, you know, and I, I, looking at the planets energetically, Pluto can feel a little bit more like the rumblings of an earthquake. We kind of feel it <laughs> underground, but we can't see it. Yeah. And Uranian energy has very much that quality of electricity, you know, like bolts of lightning. It's very sudden and very erratic. So, you know, the first thing I usually say to people is, you know, watch your nervous system because it can be very high voltage. It can be very tiring. So mm -hmm. on a practical basis, it's very important to keep very grounded, you know, and look after our health during a Uranian transit. Um, not because it brings ill health, but just because it's so high voltage. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing is that it really depends on the nature of the chart, because for very airy or fiery charts, um, Uranus, Uranus transits can feel incredibly exciting. But for charts that are very earthy and very watery, it can feel really quite um, unnerving because the you know the nature of Earth is to want to stay grounded, and here comes this bolt of lightning that tends to turn things 180 degrees. Mm -hmm. So, um, <laughs> what I would say in terms of the purpose of Uranus, particularly as he's going through Aries at the moment, is that really he's opening us up to enormous new potential. I mean, this is a whole new life force, a whole new start, the whole new, you know, a whole new start through the zodiac, because of course, Aries is the first sign. And I would say that, you know, as well as things like, you know, the obvious words like enlightenment, innovation, pioneering, mm -hmm. um, also things like friendships to do with Aries, you know, Aries likes to work with other people, letting go of constrictions. And also not to forget to be playful because mm -hmm. the Aries energy is extremely playful. It really likes to have fun. 
And I think in the midst of, you know, these transits over the last two years, there have been times when, you know, I, I've really made sure that I've reminded clients to really spend some time just having some fun and playing because when we're playful, we're incredibly creative. That's when we come up with great ideas. It's not when we're necessarily sitting there focused and concentrated. Right. So those are kind of some of the things that I would, you know, talk to clients about when they're, when this Uranus and Aries, you know, hits their chart very directly. Yeah. So, so, um, opening up to be free, allowing more, creativity and playfulness and and this you know breaking free from structure in you know Uranus and Aries squaring Pluto and Capricorn the, the the challenge to structure and being empowered the structures of our of our lives and where I guess one phrase that sometimes comes up is where we may have given our power away and so these two in, in square squares are friction and pressure so so I sometimes think some of us are going to identify more with the Plutonian side of it and feel squared by Uranus. And then other times some of us may identify with the Uranian side of it and feel squared by Pluto. So I'm just kind of wondering. I'm sorry, Tom, you just got cut off okay. for a second. Would you mind just repeating yeah, that? Yeah, I'll repeat that. I'll repeat that. So, um, so thinking about, you know, the, the general themes of the Pluto and Capricorn and Uranus and Aries being square and square being pressure and friction and, you know, pushing on each other. And I always think of them as also saying each one saying to the other one with a square, you're doing it wrong. Like whatever you're doing, however you're doing it, it you, you should do it this way instead, right? You're doing it wrong. So thinking about that, you know, if we're really identifying with the Pluto and Capricorn, we may feel squared by Uranus and Aries. And if we're kind of identifying with Uranus and Aries, we may feel squared by the Pluto and Capricorn. So, uh, you know, I've just, and, and then also going back and forth, you know, between that, I think it's, a, it's just a really interesting time to be living through because we get to try on both perspectives as we're being asked to change what doesn't work. Um, you know, we are, but I think the very interesting thing about these two, you know, deities, for want of a better word, you know, if we think about them mythologically or archetypally, yeah. is that they are both equals in the sky. So, okay. you know, if you were, say, Saturn and Pluto or Saturn and Uranus, then Saturn would be, you know, a little bit more, a little less strong than hmm. the other. Yeah. But these two are equal, and so they're kind of, I see them as sparring partners and um, rather than enemies. And so they're almost, you know, vying for what they want, but at the same time, they are working um, as a major force together. Mm. And so, you know, it's it's we probably feel a little pushed and pulled by both of them, but in terms of the transformation that they're creating on a bigger scale, it's an incredibly powerful transformation by these two um, forces together. And I think where they both agree is that neither of them like anything that is inauthentic. Mm -hmm. So Pluto and Capricorn really wants things that are absolutely have to have integrity. And Uranus in Aries wants fairness. 
And so to me, it's about finding those commonalities. So where are they joining forces? And where in our life are, you know, what are the things in our life that both these planets are going to be putting pressure on? And the big one is really anything that isn't real for us, anything that is false, whether, you know, again, if we're living in an inauthentic ego rather than a real sense of self, they're the parts that are likely to crumble. If we're in jobs that we're only in, in them for the money and, you know, they're not, about actually contributing in some way to the collective, Mm. you know, they're more likely to be challenged at this time. You know, similarly with relationships that are maybe have other purposes, like, you know, that they're just a financial contract or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, If there isn't love there, then they're going to fall apart because these planets, neither of them are going to tolerate anything that isn't real or anything that isn't going to bring us into the next stage of our evolution. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Thank you. So I heard heard, uh, Eric Francis talk on his podcast. Uh, This is not on our list of questions, but we're just going to improvise a bit because I'm curious about what you you might say about this. he said, you know, people are definitely talking about this, these Pluto Uranus squares as part of the cycle that began in the mid sixties when Pluto and Uranus were conjunct in Virgo. And, and he said, uh, you know, after they were conjunct is when the full, and he, he called, he named 1968 as a, as a year when the, I don't know, I guess maybe the bulk of dramatic change became apparent you know, in certain civil rights and yeah. feminist issues and, and uh, at least America's participation in, in Vietnam and things came, became very loud after the squares, or sorry, the uh, conjunctions were complete, you know, in the mid, from yeah. the mid-60s. So I've been thinking about, here we're, we're on the verge of the seventh of these seven squares. And... I've said to some people, you may not really be sick of the thing that you need to change or really be over yourself <laughs> until that seventh square happens. So I guess I'm, I'm think, um, I want to hear what, if, if you have any thoughts on the idea of, you know, not to be melodramatic or doomsday like, but like the aftermath, like, like, yeah, something becomes really apparent. Something is really loud and now it's been stimulated seven times by these you know, outer planet sparring partners, as you mentioned. And, um, you know, how, I guess, I guess I'm interested in your take on working with this after so much stimulation, seven rounds of their sparring. Well, I think that's, it, it's an interesting thought. And, you know, of course, a lot of people are saying what's going to happen afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things that's going to change is, I think, the intensity, you know, the energetic intensity we've been living with, which we've got very used to on a daily basis, mm-hmm. but it hasn't always felt very comfortable on any level, you know, emotional, physical, mental, um, spiritual. So I think some of that is going to ease off, which is automatically going to allow us to take a breather. So I think that's going to be a little bit easier. I think the other thing to remember is that Uranus is going to stay in Aries until 2018. Mm -hmm. And Pluto is going to stay in Capricorn until about 2024. So 
the although these planets won't be squaring each other, they're still going to continue with their work of transformation. Right. So it's not going to feel as intense, but their work continues. So it's certainly not over. But I think the kind of very um, intense feel about it is going to ease off. Okay. Now the other thing is also that Saturn will be, of course, trining Uranus. So that's going to be the time when there's going to be a sense of okay, let's manifest something new now. Right. You know, we've, we're getting rid of the old. We've got rid of a lot of the old. What are we going to put in its place? And my sense is that once we start seeing those manifestations, it's going to feel much more exciting rather than necessarily um, anxiety provoking. Mm -hmm. Because of course, we all like to see results, and in the past two years we haven't seen a lot of results we've just seen a kind of demolishing of things exactly yeah that's um, where i want to other, go yeah the other factor that i think is very important of course that we haven't talked about neptune in pisces okay. and neptune in pisces is kind of that softer aspect that is there in the background and it's like a background note but remembering that he is just as powerful as these two other deities mm -hmm. And so once they stop squaring each other, then, you know, Neptune in Pisces is also probably going to come to the fore a bit more, particularly with Saturn squaring him. So I think that that's going to help us to really connect and really soften that heart energy, which over the past two years hasn't always been easy to keep open because there's been so many shocks to our system. Right. And, you know, with the Saturn aspect in the Neptune, Again, there's a possibility that we can really start manifesting our dreams because we've, we've cleared the decks, you know, we've kind of cleared a lot of the basement and now it's time to say, okay, it mightn't be totally clear, but, um, you know, let's start reconstructing. Yeah. But one more point I wanted to make is that, of course, Saturn is going back into Scorpio over the summer. So we still have a little bit of cleaning, dredging, you know, over the summer, um, which, you know, I think once that's over, I think really that's probably when we can take a deeper breath and start thinking, okay, time to create something new. You know, what do I want? What do I want to create? Um, how do I want to create it? And who do I want to create it with? Yeah. That, that's just my view anyway. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. getting grounded what about cleaning up and improving your relationships with your body money and others energy worker and channel tom jacobs infuses crystals with the supportive clarifying and empowering energies of archangel metatron and ascended master jehudi aka thoth saint germain and merlin charged tiger iron powerfully engages your first second and third chakras while charged red jasper activates chakra two users report improved sleep deepen meditation increased trust of their bodies intuition and spirit guides better boundaries and heightened confidence to follow their passions included with each charged piece are channeled resources and ongoing support from tom jacobs Get your charged crystal at tdjacobs.com. You've heard Tom Jacobs, the host of CTR's The Soul's Journey, share insightful perspectives on astrology and spirituality, providing useful tools to help you make life better. 
Each month, Tom saves his most in-depth analyses for subscribers to his monthly service. Subscribers to tdjacobs.com receive a user's manual for each month when the sun changes sign. The sun's time in that sign, ingresses, retrogrades, major aspect patterns, and new and full moons are covered in depth and help you make the most of the present moment. A channeled meditation and a monthly call to pick Tom's brain are included, as are a number of perks, exclusive materials, and savings on his classes and products. Read more and sign up monthly or yearly at tdjacobs.com. That's my list of questions so far. Um, is there anything else that you want to uh, that you want to add to this, or maybe even a different direction, or anything? Basically, that was the uh, the, the the agenda, and I, we've gotten some great stuff. Um, so we can improv, or if you have anything else that you want to address, like you brought in the Neptune and Pisces, um, we can we can play now that that little list is complete. Okay, wonderful. Let's improvise then. Okay. Which direction would you like to go in? Well, I'd like to know what direction you want to go in. That, that That's kind of where I am right now. I want to hear and okay, engage I, with you. I, I think where I'd like to go is really talking a little bit about um, tools that maybe people can use, you Perfect. know, that might be of use, that I'm finding that with clients can be helpful. That's really where I, what I was hoping this show could, could, could uh, ease into. So great. Please, uh, please uh, have at it. Yeah. Okay, I, I think one of the big things is, you know, to keep grounded. We haven't got a lot of planets in Earth. In fact, you know, Pluto and Capricorn has been, you know, pretty solitary in Earth, except when the moon goes into Earth at different times of the month. But um, it's been, you know, quite a long spell of not having a lot of grounding. And so I'm noticing that people are struggling, the clients are struggling a little bit in that arena. So I think that's something that we really can pay conscious attention to, you know, just going out, yeah. spending time in nature, watching our diet, um, getting enough sleep, all of those things. Um, the other aspect, of course, is meditation. You know, that mm -hmm. can be very helpful. And that means different things to different people. Not everybody can sit still and, you know, just chant home for a while. So there yeah. are lots of other <laughs> things to do, like visualizations, like listening to music. Um, really, it depends on what appeals. But I think some way of kind of quietening the mind and coming to a sense of center. That's very, very important on a daily basis, yeah. um, more so than ever, particularly as we approach this last Uranus-Pluto square, because we haven't just got the square, we've also got the eclipses. Right. So, you know, we've got the two eclipses coming up in April, and I think that's going to add a little bit to the intensity. So I think, you know, any tools that kind of like this that help. Um, also things like, you know, the creative arts, singing, dancing, whatever mm -hmm. way people have, you know, of, of expressing themselves, I think is really, really important. Um, and just anything that connects us with our heart, you know, and, and yes. coming back to that whole thing and... Um, 
There was a wonderful exercise that um, some healer told me about, and I'm so sorry I can't acknowledge who it was. I just don't remember. But it was a very simple exercise of just taking, you know, something like three deep breaths or a few more. And as you're inhaling, to imagine or visualize or feel yourself dropping into your heart. Absolutely, Mm -hmm. literally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that can be done, you know, floating down a balloon, flying in a helicopter, um, magic carpet. Right. And it's just a very wonderful, simple exercise. And children love it. I mean, children take to it so very easily. And what I find through doing that exercise is that it really helps us drop, you know, from the head that's chattering away into our heart. Yes. And at such, you know, such a much easier place to kind of make decisions and stops us kind of reacting, you know, and and jumping into something. Yeah. um, there are just some of the kind of tools, you know, that I would use. And, of course, there are things like therapies of all kinds. Mm-hmm. There are lots of amazing people out there. And I would just say to people, please don't hesitate to get support and get help. You know, we, in some cultures, and I find that here in Ireland, there are some, um, still some taboos around going to therapy, going to psychotherapy. And um, it's such a shame because sometimes even going for a few months and getting some support can really help us stand back and, you know, watch our patterns, get help to bring material up from the unconscious, deal with whatever comes up. Um, So I would just say, you know, reach out. Don't, Don't feel that you're on your own in this. Reach out and get all the support you need. There are some amazing therapists. Energy healing, Reiki is, mm-hmm. is fabulous as well to clear. Um, and anything that kind of clears us, that detoxes, you know, whether yeah. it's Epsom baths, whether it's, um, you know, internal detoxes, whatever helps us clear. Because there is so much floating around and a lot of it doesn't even belong to us. Mm-hmm. And um, the clearer we keep ourselves, the easier it is to, um, to really enjoy this time and make the most of these changes. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I often forget on the show to mention to listeners that I, I have a 13-minute grounding and heart-opening MP3 on my site. So I'm just taking that opportunity to you know to add to what you're saying about grounding and being in the body and choosing to be in the heart. And and uh, so people can get that free on my homepage from the lower right-hand side. There's a link that says, uh, you know, a button that says free MP3 meditation. Um, oh, Tom, that's fabulous. And, yeah. and is it called anything in particular or it's just um, called meditation? I just call it gra- the grounding meditation, but, but it, okay. Im- it involves several, this involves several steps. And one is sending cords into the earth in that imaginative way, you know, or magical way as you're yeah. describing, you know, that's why kids love it because they, they are still magic, right? They are still accessing that imaginative. They don't want to have that imagination get uh, stomped out by, you know, Saturnian baloney. Anyway, but uh, so sending cords down into the earth and then breathing on your inhales, the energy of the earth up into your body. And, and then after a while, opening the crown chakra and breathing in through that place and then doing both simultaneously and then out through the heart. So it, you kind of align yourself as a column, so to speak, between heaven and earth, so to speak, and then you open the heart and, and you know, when you raise your heart vibration, uh, you're generating fourth chakra energy, the center of the chest, the heart energy, that is the energy of compassion, acceptance, forgiveness, and that soothes pain, it robs anger of its barbs, you know, and, and it, it soothes, so I, I give that out to people, but I probably always forget to mention it on the show that there's that free resource, <laughs> but but I use it... Oh, 
fabulous. I mean, that's yeah. such a wonderful resource, you know, and um, I'm so glad you told me because I'll send, you know, I'll certainly mention it to clients as well oh, to great. access it because that's really valuable. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, people all over the world write me and say, I found this thing and it's wonderful. And, and, and with my students and coaching clients, uh, like, a, like I, I mentioned to you earlier, I'm doing this intuitive skills class right now with 10 people or two sets of five people. And that's central and fundamental, you know, to because you know as you were as you were talking about if we're not in our bodies we're not able like my 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 version of that is that if we're not in our bodies then we we're not embracing who we are fully but we may also be afraid of what we might feel or not you know know how to clear out energies that don't belong to us so i take people into the body so they can be really clear that there's stuff in there that isn't theirs and doesn't work and needs to go and then we clear it and that that meditation used on a daily basis is a great tool for that so well i think also with neptune in pisces one of the things that's um maybe useful to say is that i think we're you know all of our intuitive skills are opening up much more but however you know there there needs to be a little discernment because Again, channeling, we can channel into a lot of different radio stations, and some of them are not necessarily that helpful, and some can be quite chaotic. (laughs) And so it's very useful sometimes to get support and to do courses like your course, because then you get the support in terms of learning how to tune in yeah. to the particular frequency that is most helpful. Exactly. Um, and, and like you were saying before, it's, you know, it's love, it's love or fear. And what are we going to align with? Well, you know, my perspective is that everybody is a powerful divine being, but most of us forget it because, oh, that's right. I forgot to mail that letter or, oh yeah, I have this deadline. You know, we, we're not, you know, we, we, we can get caught up in that chatter of mind and the details of the you know, day-to-day world, but, but we're energetic beings and our, our free will is our power. And so to say, I'm only will, I'm willing to to tune into frequencies only that serve me or, you know, that kind of intentionality. And that does clear up our field, you know, that does clear up our energy. So. Absolutely. And I also wanted to make a mention, um, Tom, of your first book, because, of Mm. course, I had the great pleasure of reviewing that for the ESR (laughs) Journal. And I have to say that, you know, even though you wrote it a few years ago, I think it's extremely relevant to the times we're going through now. Mm. And um, I really can't recommend it highly enough for people to read. And I think that the wonderful thing about it is you don't have to be an astrologer to really get some, um, a lot of very interesting information from it. So I think for anyone who's wondering what is going on, you know, because Mm. not everybody is an astrologer, not everybody, you know, fully gets the, the, you know, the changes that are happening at the moment. And I think your book is a great book to pick up and really help make sense of the transformation we're in the midst of. Oh, thank you. And and for the listeners, that's the soul's journey one, um, astrology, reincarnation and karma with a medium and channel. And no, I couldn't have made the subtitle longer. Um, <laughs> yeah. oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. So that sets up how I do karmic astrology. But yeah, and that, I, I, I sometimes forget that intro material because I'm not, re, I haven't reread it, you know, in a long time. But yeah. that intro material does have stuff about the Aquarian age and the transition from the Piscean age and just understanding ourselves as energetic beings. And so I, I appreciate your, I appreciate your glowing praise. Thank you. 
<laughs> oh, oh, you're so welcome. You know, I've recommended that book to so many people because I think it's really one of the best books out there with this material, mm. and I think it's so user friendly. And it's, it's, you know, it's also a, a, quite a short book to read. It's very easy to pick up and read in sections and so on. So yeah. I think it's, it's a book that can give people a lot of comfort and help and understanding. And you know, we're back to something that is of use to people. That's you know to make sense of what's going on because I think we, we like to understand things you know in order to then digest them process them and integrate them yeah definitely thank you so much thank you thank you uh, so so what other what are, what other tools I mean we're talking about physical detox emotional detox energetic detox being you know relaxed in our bodies uh, relating to nature I'm sure you know for a lot of us working with animals or just kind of being pleasant yeah. in a pleasant state with animals and and um can i ask you what what you do or what are your you know top two or three grounding methods that that you find really work best for you out of all these that you've been suggesting you know i i do love being out in nature i'm more of an ocean person so i love walking on beaches by the mm. ocean um that's really something i just love doing and you know another tool just to add to those that's so important that i just mentioned briefly though is to have fun to have play time you yeah. know to yeah. to spend time with good friends and to laugh that's very important and um you know it was the anniversary fifth anniversary of my dad passing the other day and it kind of reminded me that he he used to love to to laugh. He used to just throw his head back and laugh at kind of silly things, you know, or or TV programs or whatever. Mm. And um, if you know, if if there's a lot going on in life, sometimes to just open YouTube and find some you know, nice old comedy or something. And just to spend even five minutes laughing or even better with a group of friends, um, that can be incredibly healing because yeah. on, a, on a physiological level, it also moves the energy around. So it's not just on a mental level. Great. And it really kind of also reminds us not to take ourselves too seriously because, you know, our, our span on this planet is very, very, very short. And I think that's something that I've been increasingly aware of that, you know, the last year or so, a lot of people have left the planet. Um, there seem to be a larger number. And so really to enjoy our time here, to relax, to have fun, to do things we enjoy doing, to spend time with loved ones, um, spend time with children. Children are pretty magical and the new generation of children are absolutely amazing. Their charts are absolutely phenomenal. It's yeah. such a privilege to look at their charts. Um, so, I mean, those are some of the things. I certainly try to watch what I eat. I've cut sugar out completely, refined mm -hmm. sugar, which for me is huge because I love chocolate. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but I really found that it just it just didn't work for me anymore. And so I've cut sugar. I'm a vegetarian. It's not that I say everyone has to be vegetarian, mm -hmm. but for me eating meat again, it just didn't work anymore. So okay. I stopped doing that. So I think it's really about listening to our own body you know what what works and what doesn't work for some people it may work to eat meat for other people it doesn't yeah. so it's again back to self-awareness to really tuning into you know what do i need right now and how you know how can i do it in a way that's constructive um you know being careful around things like alcohol like substances whatever neptune and pisces yeah to exacerbate, you know, the use of any substances. So I'm noticing that people are, um, 
having ill effects from alcohol and substances much faster than they would have in the past. So yeah. that's often something I would mention to clients, clients, particularly if they've got very Piscean, very Neptunian charts. Yeah, there's something that that I've, I've been noticing um, with some people, kind of as I, as I myself and with other people in different ways. But as I hear people talk about. Uh, referencing the Puriyana squares, also here the idea of freeing ourselves from what we do or think or choose or you know believe that doesn't uh, serve us or, or, or takes us down a negative road or, or makes us unhappy or unhealthy. But what I notice is that if somebody perceives that he or she may not have absolute total free will and the ability to make or the freedom to make empowered, self-directed decisions for self-care and, and health and boundaries and all that stuff. In one area of life, it's probably going to spread in other areas of life they may not realize. And what I'm getting at is this notion that you mentioned cutting out sugar. And what I've noticed about my experience of sugar uh, off and on over the years is that I've become really clear about it the last couple of years. It creates a state of agitation in me like it's not you know but i know some people will eat it because of course that mouth pleasure that sense of sweetness that may be not their day-to-day reality a sense of sweetness about life and so we may appeal to a you know i don't know appeal to a food or whatever as a reward so that we feel gratified or we feel happy you know the kind of external anyway but i notice this sense of this creation of agitation so i say well i have complete free will i i could do what margaret has done i can completely cut it out and i know that i'd be better off but this sense of being empowered right through through this pressure and this tectonic plate shifting of Pluto square Uranus, like, do I really have free will? You know, like, can I really make the best choices? And I guess I just noticed that I hear different threads of that with different people, see it in my own consciousness. And people don't see that about me because they say, oh, Tom created a job for himself. He loves, he's self-employed. He has his own schedule. Everything's great with Tom. But like, there is that sense of where do I have choice? Where do I have free will? Especially with Pluto on the 12th, you know, feeling that sometimes that life unfolds as it does and you may not always have choices. But I just noticed that that can carry over into all parts of life, that sense of I'm not sure if I have free will. Absolute total, you know, power to steer the ship of my life. And we may not realize if it's a global issue, is what I'm getting at, within our own consciousness. Well, you know, if I'm understanding you correctly, yeah. you're questioning, you know, what is the line between, you know, do we really have free will or are there forces greater than us that also, you know, play a part in the picture? Is that what you're saying, Tom? Well, well kind of, yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I'm also thinking about how, you know, with the Puturana squares, we're being, we're being tasked to embrace free will in a very empowered and powerful way. And yet we may not see the big things like life direction, purpose, important relationships in the same way as the small things. We may not see that exactly the same. Where do I have free will? And, and like with the example of cutting sugar out, literally every single person on the planet should do this. Like, you know, like, like literally, if we're going to evolve, if we're going to be happy and healthy, sugar has to go. 
But I'm just, I guess maybe I'm a little convoluted because I'm trying to tie together several questions that I think are the same. But I, but I mean, if the question is, do we have free will or not? I think yes, and kind of, and maybe, and always, and no. Kind of because it depends on what vibrations we're encountering and what we're, you know, what we're doing. But I guess just, I, I mean, I think everybody should cut out sugar. But I noticed that some of us feel we can't. I guess is what I'm getting at. And I think putting your own squares are pushing us to empower ourselves to just make these final decisions that are really great for us. Well, I think it's always back to, you know, um, I, I think that for me there's that fine balance between not giving myself a hard time because I can't do something at a certain point, mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, when the time feels okay, I will do it, and yet also um, engaging with my Mars, with my will yeah. to do things that are good for me. Right. And I think it's knowing what's good and then doing it in a way that isn't punitive or isn't a little right. bit like being back in school, you know, I should do this because as soon as mm-hmm. I tell myself that, you can be sure that I will rebel against it. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I'm an Aries. I don't like to be told what to do. But however, you know, it, it's really, I think we come to different points in our life where it's like the penny drops and we think, you know what, I actually feel better if I do something like right. this. And then... Right. You know, I think, but somebody said, I think it takes something like 21 days for something to become a habit. Mm -hmm. And so it's also about having the um, engaging with our Mars, really, and saying, okay, I'm going to try this out. And I'm going to try it out long enough to see if it works. And if it doesn't work, I can go back to my old ways. And if it works, maybe I'll decide to continue. Um, And knowing that we can change our mind at any point. And I think... You know, it, it, I, I tend to see life, I see it a little bit as a game in a way, or, you know, it's like we're on a stage. And so we have a lot of different choices in terms of which outfits might we wear. There are some things we don't have choices mm-hmm. over, you know, what, what our height is, what color our eyes are. But there are some things that we can play with a little bit. And I think increasingly in the, in the times we're going in, we really have choices that we can change the roles we've played we can change our perspective we can change the direction that our life has been going in um and so i think the amount of free will we have is actually increasing and funnily enough i think that there is a kind of a backlash a little bit against that because that can be quite a scary concept because suddenly we have to make those choices and when we start having the ability to make choices we also have the consequences to deal with and the responsibility that comes with that exactly and i think sometimes it can be much more comfortable to be in a situation where um we are told what to do and how to do it you know it's you and i are self-employed so we know that you know we don't have a nine to five schedule Mm -hmm. to adhere to so you know, we could sit down and watch TV all day or whatever, but right. we have to construct that. And, you know, for some people, that would be absolutely terrifying in terms of not having, the, you know, that nine to five routine. Right. Whereas, you know, for some of us, you know, the thought of being having to be somewhere by nine o'clock, um, regardless of whether we want to work at that time and not be able to work instead of one in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, can feel very constricting. So I think, again, it's about knowing ourselves well enough to know what suits me how how am I most productive how am I most constructive yeah. what makes me happiest and that's one of the things we didn't mention that the times we're in it's about joy and happiness it's not about pain 
it's not about suffering that's the old paradigm right and we're still a little bit attached to that and i think part of this uranus pluto maybe the most important thing is to help us detach from that paradigm of pain and anguish Thank and you. we don't have to let go of it if we want to hang on to it we can live our whole life according to it right. but it doesn't have to be in fact joy is much more expansive and much more creative than anguish and pain Thank you so much, Margaret. And this is this takes us to the end of our time. I, I I'm really grateful to have you on the show, and it's it's wonderful to reconnect. And uh, I just I really appreciate your uh, em- empowered uh, perspectives, and uh, just really appreciate it. And so, can you just tell the listeners briefly, like what your website is, and they can go check out your work and uh, and uh, consult you for a reading if that appeals to them. And Absolutely, yeah. Tom. First of all, it's been a pleasure to be on your show. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much, and it's it's always lovely to talk to you. My website is www.astrologypsychological.com, and you can contact me via my website. I also have a Facebook page, and um, please feel free to write to me. My email address on my website, and to ask me any questions or whatever. And I do work on Skype as well as in person, so you don't have to be here in. Um, Dublin, Ireland to see me. Perfect. Tom, thank you so much, and I hope we meet again soon. Thank you. Bless you, Margaret. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs, a fresh look at astrology and soul inspired by channeled wisdom. For more information, tune in every Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific. Connect with Tom directly via www.tdjacobs.com. That's T-D-J-A-C-O-B-S dot com.